Welcome to The Clean Project, promoting real, transparent, and faithful conversations about purity and sexuality in today's culture. Gavin is currently out of the studio, but I've asked a special guest contributor, Hunter, to join us in understanding biblical approaches for true accountability and productivity in our daily journey. Whether confessing our sins to one another, breaking generational strongholds, or even living a pure and set-apart life, we'll explore practical strategies to help us in our purity journey. So now, without further delay, let's get to our guest. All right, welcome back to The Clean Project. Got a special guest today. So our co-host Gavin's out of the studio. This is Hunter. Well, I'll have you introduce yourself and you fit good folks listening to this, students, uh, parents, leaders who are listening to the podcast. Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you want to share today. I think we have some good combos on the way here. Might even go Old Testament again, talk about David, uh, what you're seeing in the faith, those types of things. We'll unpack that. And then um, guys, check out the podcast. We'll have these dropped in, I think, Spotify. Uh, share them with like-minded peers. Yeah, stay clean, stay pure. So I'm going to introduce you to Hunter and he's going to just take the lead on this one. How's it going? This is Hunter. I'm a college student at NC State Go Pack, and I am a slave to Christ in every regards. I think today I want to just talk about like what God has to offer, because I think the biggest thing on a college campus and the biggest question in a non-Christian person's life is why? Why should I be a Christian? What does this God have to offer me? How is this God the right God? All that stuff. What's your fair questions? Your faith is putting yourself out there and putting yourself to risk. And it's scary. It's uncomfortable. But I'm going to tell you why you should do it. I think um, really just hitting it on the head, starting off, is that God offers things that literally nothing else in the world can offer. Like what God can offer you is true joy as opposed to happiness. And I'll define that. Joy, by my definition, is a consistent, lifelong purpose, desire, and fulfillment in yourself and who you are and what you're doing in all contexts. Even in your lowest moments, the most terrible things, people dying, like lose your job, you lose your wife, you lose anything of worldly value, but God can offer you more. Like Solomon, the man who had 400 wives and all of the world's treasures, he realized what mattered was God. What matters is God. Everything can offer you happiness, but those are fleeting. How do you feel right after you have premarital sex? You feel terrible. You have guilt. You're distraught. You are in the bottom of your sin. That is the difference between God and happiness. It can never fulfill you. It's Satan. He never comes through on his promise. You are always left wanting more. Lust is never fulfilled. You are always chasing. You are never, ever getting what you want. God. What he offers you is true peace. My favorite verse for that is Psalm 1611, and it says, You show me the path of life. In you there is a fullness of joy. At your right hands are pleasures forevermore. Peace, joy. Like, this is what everyone wants. Deep down, all they actually want is to be happy, but like long term. Not happy based on situational things. And everyone's like, whatever, I kind of have that. Like, all fun and games until all of a sudden you're suicidal because you have no reason to live, you have no purpose, and you have nothing to do with your life. That's what God can offer you, is a reason to live. And I would say, just pursue God. You will never regret it. Solid message. Very convicting. That's what I expect. So yeah, one of the things that I heard, conviction, and also like it sounds like you're exhorting, like you're calling people to the Lord. And just knowing the fear of the Lord, I think is so powerful and necessary as believers. Because our view of God, we typically like to humanize God and minimize sin. So yeah, one of the topics that we cover, obviously, in the Clean Project, we really want to hit off moral purity, sexual purity, but what it really actually means to live a set apart, a holy life. 
when people look at a Christian, especially as a young college-age student or young adult, they should see something that's noticeably set apart from the rest of the world, ideally. If they really want to desire to know God, then they're going to look at the product and they're going to say, okay, why should I follow Jesus? Well, I think there's something profound about trying to live a pure life that can speak to a culture that is knee-deep in a lot of these struggles. Um, so one of the things that we're going to hit on this episode, maybe some key themes along with the rest of the discussion as the Spirit leads, is on the topic of forgiveness and healing. And I think we could see some examples of this in Scripture that stick out, but we don't have to just talk about this. I'm just putting some context. When we make mistakes, when we fall short, if we've slipped into an unhealthy sexual relationship or we're binging on content and pornography, just things even in the culture, books or media, TV, Netflix, that is just not edifying or beneficial to our souls, what ways we can navigate that. Uh, so one of the key verses for the actual series is from the book of James chapter 5, verse 16. This is from the ESV. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So when we make mistakes, when we've fallen short of the perfect standard, which is Christ, and the effects of that, how that spills over into areas of the culture. Uh, we talked about last episode about the Sound of Freedom movie and just all the issues there and how it ties into the conversation. When we're engaging with this content, we're unknowingly or knowingly, at, the, at this point we know, it's feeding into some of these other areas that are dark and that are reinforcing the same issue. Uh, and the other thing are just some practicals, like how do we actually actually do life with one another in a clean, responsible, healthy way. One of the things just recently encountering in my walk now is, uh, you know, being in a spirit-filled church, being in a church that preaches the word of God, seeing the opposite sex in a healthy way, recognizing they have the same struggles of the flesh, and trying to navigate what it means to be a follower of Jesus completely separate from the world. I'm not lusting after my sisters in Christ, but realistically, I struggle with the flesh. So how do we reconcile some of that? And then also what it means to have brothers and sisters around you. Obviously, you know, you want brothers in the fight if you're a male, you want sisters in the fight if you're a female. Even those conversations are playing out today, like, well, what is gender? Why should I have same-sex accountability? Why can't I just navigate those challenges with the opposite sex and, like, boundaries? Why is it important to have those allies in this battle? You know, should we try to do accountability in isolation? And what actually biblical accountability means? Why confess whenever I fall short? Why is it wise to invite other people with wisdom in some of those spaces? And why should we encourage maybe students or others listening to this to consider finding those accountability partners or allies in this battle for the flesh. Yeah, I think a huge part of successfully following Christ means finding like-minded people who can truly just push you towards God. And I think a really good way to look at it of why we need community, like spiritual community, is if you look at it in the way it's supposed to be looked at, spiritual warfare, you cannot go into battles alone. There's just way less likely for you to succeed in those battles. In regards of temptation, lukewarmness, slothfulness, when you have fellows, when you have other people who are passionate about Christ, all they will do is uplift you. Iron sharpens iron. If you want to stay sharp, you have to surround yourself with those who are like-minded and equally yoked for Christ, equally passionate about Christ. And uh, give me an example for any temptation. Temptation to cheat, temptation to do lustful things, temptation to do crime, to steal, anything that tempts people. When you have people in your life who are truly your friends, which means they're not full of the bull, they will call it out in you. They will rebuke you. That's what a true friend does, a true family. And they'll be like, you shouldn't be doing this. And then you, as a person who's secure and confident in who you are, you won't take this as an insult. You'll be like, you are right. I need to get my head out of the gutter because this is not what God wants. This is not edify God in any way. 
it honestly helps us see ourselves in a better perspective because it's so easy to see other sins but when it comes to our sin we tend to just have a blind eye all the time and leading that into confession confession is one of the most powerful things we as christians can do without confession my walk would look different that's just how it is confession isn't my whole community of christ followers confession is with my tight boys like what jesus had with john and james just my tight group of guys who are my brothers Guys who care about me, guys who care about God, and guys who want the best for me. And the question is like, why would I confess that? What's the point of confession? Confession immediately takes away footholds that the devil will have through our sin. Confession really brings to light our sin and helps remove us not being aware of our sin and being judgmental to others. We're not perfect. We can't be judging these people until we move the log from our eye. Confession really helps you keep your heart in the right place. Man, it's so important. And it's embarrassing. You have to bow your head to God and to your friends and be like, I am sorry and I regret what I did. Which brings me to the biggest point of why we confess things is to truly allow repentfulness to happen in our hearts. To look at our sin, tell it in a way that is painful, uncomfortable, and then allow us to begin the process of repentfulness and no longer face our sin. 180 degrees away from our sin. That's why we confess, is to be able to correctly and successfully repent. And when we confess, I'm less likely to fall into it again because I don't want to have to do that again. That was so embarrassing that hurt. I can chase repentfulness. I cannot fall into those sins again. I become more free. I sin less. That's just how it is. I'm confessing to God that I'm sorry and that I still love him and I'm going to do everything I can to make this up to him. And I know God wants to hear that. Very powerful. A couple of scriptures that came to mind. First John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John 8, verse 32, the red letters right here, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So there's this powerful aspect of the word and also the spirit, not just knowing the truth, but living out the word. We confess to one another, one, because it is what Christ tells us to do, what he's commanding us to do, but also because it helps us get out of the hole. So if you're in the struggle, like you're in a binge on porn or on content, you're addicted, you know, to whatever the case is, whether it's a person, just thoughts, just this idea, like I'll be happy when I get the Tesla and I get the good looking girl, the guy, and I'll be set when I got my own place and I'm, you know, my debts are paid, all that. One, um, I've had all that and I can tell you, you're still going to have issues too. You're not guaranteed to keep all that, especially if you're a follower of Jesus. There's a good chance you may lose some of those things in the process. You should be gaining Christ. I think Paul mentions this. I count it all as rubbish, as, as garbage, like nothing, the surpassing piece of knowing Christ Jesus compares. But something else I wanted to tee up for you, this is just a practical, right? We're going to provide resources for the ministry. Feel free to reach out. Highly recommend, you know, you get some good accountability software like Covenant Eyes, Disdain in the Word, but also in maybe investing a little bit into some like education in this area. There's tons of programs out there. Uh, freedomfight.org is one I've been on. Really like their content. You have the Conquer series through Pure Desire Ministries. But like get some books in this. Look, there's tons. The book for the show, this is based off in a lot of ways is called clean by dr doug weiss check out the show notes you'll see resources in there but honestly find a life-giving church if your church doesn't have a space for this like a small group that's intentional gender specific dealing with sexual issues find a church community that does you don't have to leave your home church if you're not in a church i recommend you guys find a church i'm telling you the best advice i ever received is from a young man i interviewed on another podcast you wouldn't believe it this is what it is google look at reviews you'll google review before you
before you buy a car, before you stay at a hotel, Google and review before you invest significant periods of life in your spiritual maturity in a God-centered community. If you guys are looking for a church in the area and you happen to be in the Raleigh, North Carolina region, feel free to reach out to the show. We'll get you plugged in a couple of communities, whether on the campus or in the city. I want to announce the Clean Project's first upcoming live stream event sometime in early 2024. We'll be hosting a special guest speaker with Q&A to discuss issues of morality and sexual purity for today's youth, including resources and prayer to equip you in the journey of staying clean. Please visit www.thecleanproject.net for more details in the coming weeks, or check out the show notes for details and more. All right, so I'm going to pass it over to my boy here. Real talk, hey, confession, man, that's like doesn't even really get a lot of pulpit time. That's crazy. There's another little word that came up recently. It's called finna. Finna get up in this word right here and <laughs> preach a message. I'm going to go ahead and uh, pass this over to Hunter. He's going to finna to get this word out here and start spitting the real. Uh, I digress. But what does true applicability look like in regards of accountability or just living differently in a way that can truly help you eradicate your sin? I love what he said. Like that advice is rock solid advice. Like you need to do what you need to do to get off porn, to get off alcohol, to get off whatever it is that's holding you back from Christ. Matthew 18, 9. If your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into the hell of fire. I know everyone's like, well, that's embarrassing or that's going to take work or that's going to cost money. I can't do those things. But if you're still struggling with porn in 10 years from now, you will regret that so badly. And if you can get off that right now, no matter what cost, do it. That is truly a chain around your neck. You are a prisoner to that thing. That thing owns your life. You don't get to make decisions. It makes decisions for you. So if you can, you need to get rid of this thing. A part of your heart, a part of your body is literally covered in poison. Clean it. Shout out Clean Project. Or it will take you down. Your life will not be what you want. Your ministry will be half of what it could have been because you couldn't crucify your flesh. You couldn't crucify your pride. You're too prideful to put yourself in a lower way. Humble yourself. You're a sinner. Everyone's a sinner. Don't act so high and mighty all the time. Get off porn. Get off these things. See women as sisters. Women, don't be chasing sex. God is so much better than that. It's all loss. None of it matters when you die. There's a verse that talks about, do not chase things that moth and rust will destroy, but put your treasures in heaven. Because when you die, literally everything you've ever owned won't matter. You don't get to have it anymore. But if you chase things that are eternal, you will forever be rich in God, the currency that matters. This is just like real good practical life wisdom right here that I've had to learn the hard way. But like, if you're on the apps, like get off the apps. I'm not saying like, don't be intentional, but like, if you still got struggles with the flesh, probably not wise to start looking for a girlfriend or boyfriend. But another thing too is we're trying to get this messed out because we're doing this for the Lord, honoring him, but I'm doing this for my own purity. I'm constantly moving forward and I want to let other people know as I'm growing in purity and wisdom and understanding in this area. It's not like I have this figured out. Like, trust me, if I was doing a podcast, like already having years of sobriety under my belt. Honestly, I probably wouldn't even be doing this podcast. I'd just be on to like, you know, marriage wisdom or generational discipleship, but I'm in the struggle. So it's focal. But I was just going to say what kind of stuck out a lot is like being able to hold things well. Like when you have a right perspective of your health, your understanding in terms of what it means to live set apart for God, how his word impacts you, just the way you walk that out. When you're in a relationship, we talked about this in the last episode on holy holograms. You're able to see a person as Brother Gavin would say, four-dimensionally, mind, soul, body, and spirit. And so you can't see those things when you're in the act. You're not thinking about the person's whole life. You're just thinking about your immediate gratification. But realistically, what separates the man from the beast, this really got highlighted to me recently and in a conversation, what ultimately separates man 
from the animals? Or what is it about the human being made after Adam? And then obviously, if you've been born again, you've been through that journey, being made after Christ, what does God do? What fundamentally is a character attribute of God? He says, enough. He rests. He understands boundaries, end from beginning, categories of truth, categories of reality. We don't violate because it goes well for us and our neighbor. And so in a relational context, when you're considering about pursuing someone in a dating to marry relationship, ideally, you should know who you are. The Bible, I think, has a lot to say about that. Also, you should have respect for yourself. That way you can actually respect another person. By the way, until you're actually married, that person doesn't belong to you. Not spiritually in any sense. They're a brother or sister in the journey. But when you are yoked and you are physical, you have to still hold that person in a way where you don't have ownership. But if you don't understand how to like actually be a responsible person with your body, with what you're ingesting, how are you going to do that in any like real relational way? Think about long term. Anyway. That's good. I would say dating is one of the biggest areas of what secular lies and what society tells us that a lot of Christians don't even know. And that's the point of like just becoming more read up, more knowledgeable, intertwined with Jesus is to learn things. But dating is not what it should be. Societal dating is not what God intended for us, 100%. My entire life, I just had the wrong view of what dating was. Society just tells us through movies and whatever we are consuming what it is, and it's so wrong. It's all lies. We have to make sure we discern what is lies and what is truth. And one of the biggest misconceptions, I would say, is definitely like, you shouldn't really lust women. Even when you're dating, you shouldn't be lusting your girlfriend. Until she is your wife, like Jason said, you do not own her in any way. Even until she's your wife, you shouldn't be thinking about having sex with her. She isn't spiritually connected with you. She's not one with you until you guys are married. Society today is like, give everything you have to a woman as soon as you start dating her, because that's right. Tells your deepest secrets, but you shouldn't give everything to a woman you barely know. And until you're married to her, you barely know her. Dating is an interview process. You determine if this is the woman who will be the woman of your entire life. Doesn't mean you should give her everything before you're married. You shouldn't risk things. You shouldn't be having sex with women you're not married to because the consequences are so dramatically terrible when in a couple years you're married to a woman you don't want to be married to anymore. That is so common. Divorce is so common because no one's patient anymore. No one wants to wait. No one wants to see if this woman's right for you. They just want to commit. They see a beautiful woman. That's my wife. We're getting married. And then divorce is so imminent. Divorce is such a terrible impact on your children though. Think about it. Think about your kids if that helps. Anything you have to think about to prevent this. Dating is for a reason. It's a process. If you use it correctly, it'll change your life. Ah, so good, man. These conversations, dude, I'm telling you. I, I know someone, we've been praying, someone's going to hear this and be like, dang, I don't know if I'm going to stop dating, but these guys are speaking some truth here. So here's something to think about. If you're already in a relationship and you cross the line, you're like, okay, the reason why it's important is this for someone that's been through the journey with this stuff. Here's a likely scenario. You meet somebody, you have great intentions, but you guys get alone and isolated and you're both feeling tempted and sexual and you fall into, first it could be innocent, oh, we're just kissing, we're just touching each other. And then it can lead into something more oral sex or physical sex, or you maybe open up those doors and have other people come in that relationship. I heard open relationships are becoming more of a trend now in and then obviously, you know, all the other spectrum issues there too with lifestyles and what have you. So here's the thing. The science shows this. If you guys want resources out there, I'm happy to provide them for you guys. And feel free to check out the Conquer series or any of Doug Weiss's stuff. There's a few other guys out there. Steve Arterburn does really good stuff on this. But here's the issue. You're opening up doors when you're connecting, bonding with someone sexually. It's not like just holding hands. Like there's chemical exchanges. What happens in your brain is you bind 
with that person and those memories along with the physical act, it gets imprinted into your brain. And so the idea was designed to actually protect man and woman in a covenant marriage relationship. That's what a marriage is. It's a covenant two people, man and woman make with God. And it's special because it actually reinforces the relationship to be stronger. The reason the Bible doesn't form a lot about dating is because dating was never the plan of God. Human beings weren't just supposed to put themselves out there and sleep around and play the field. They were supposed to actually be productive and take dominion. And so when you cross that line, it gets hard to break off that relationship, especially if you realize, hey, I don't know if I want to spend my life with this person or that person's unfaithful because you created a bond now that's only supposed to exist in a monogamous covenant relationship with God. You're missing the piece of the equation that's actually going to bring the fullness of that relationship. You're cutting out the author of the marriage institution itself. And now you're redefining what that should look like in your own eyes, which means that it's very self-focused. I want this person for pleasure. They want me obviously for security or whatever the issue is, love. And it's never going to actually mature and materialize the way that God designed it for it, which is to bear his image. You don't want to start doing that and then marry that person one day if you actually are responsible for that and realize I don't really love this person. You know, we just hooked up in college and this was just somebody I thought I could spend my life with but you never really actually understood who you were and who that person is. Thank you for listening to another engaging episode of The Clean Project. If you found this message helpful, consider sharing it with like-minded peers or even becoming a financial partner to The Project. You can visit www.thecleanproject.net slash support for more details on ways to give and more. Also, if you're needing individual coaching for combating porn and sexual addiction, please visit the support page and select the book and appointment link for more details. All right. Until next episode, this is your host, Jason, signing off. Peace.